a lot of times when we go through hard times, it's, it's, we call them storms in our lives. And I just, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're true to humanity. We, we all have to navigate through storms. Some of them are, are harder than others. We live in a time where we seem to have a, a population, especially in the United States of America, walking with a cloud around us, and, and the word anxiety is, is used a lot. Depression is used a lot. In my brain, I kind of picture, for those of us who are a little bit older, the Peanuts character, Pigpen. Like, it feels like you could probably scrub that kid forever, and there would always be like this dust cloud covering him. I feel like a lot of us have been there where it just felt like I can't get away from it. It's looming. It's there. As we get ready to look at Acts chapter 27, there's actually two main things that I, that I want to bring out um, as we transverse this together quite rapidly. And it, it is all people are going to have storms. Regardless of whether you caused it or not, you're going to have a storm multiples at times. And if you've ever been a part of evangelizing or apologetics and talking to people, the question that ensues is, why do bad things happen to good people? My first question to all of us, myself included, is where are those good people? Like, if you truly want to say that what, what in the world, can, why can we deserve this, then my question is, why can't we look at it from a different perspective? Because what I truly deserve is to live life eternally separated from God. That's what I deserve. Anything short of that is a blessing. So as I enter into a storm, my, my, my look should be, God, thank you for that brief moment when I saw the sun. As we look at this, we're basically entering into the scene where Paul was traveling on a boat, and he was traveling to go see Caesar for which he was about to stand trial. And along the journey on this boat, it took longer than anticipated. They had, they had hit uh, an area, and then the conversation started to ensue. Should we stay here? Should we press on? If you look at that movie, The Perfect Storm, the captain, I think it was George Clooney, the captain... They had just gotten back from, from one hoist where they had gotten a lot of fish. And everybody else was getting ready to just chill out and relax and enjoy life, get to know your wife again, or, or, or go hang out with your friends. And the next thing you know, the captain says, we're going out again. We're turning around. We're going again. And everybody's like, you're crazy. What in the world? I don't want to go. I, I, want, I want to stay back on the land, and I want to, to receive some R&R. I mean, we've been out there killing it. He says, well, basically, here's what he said to him. If you don't go with me, if you don't go with me right now, then consider yourself fired. I can find more people. I can replace you. So here's the captain of the ship basically holding them hostage. I kind of feel like that's about to unfold here. Though we have storms that come into our lives, my challenge to all of us is why would I want to add any extra storms? You see, I believe that God gave us the law 
Number one, to show that we needed a Savior. Number two, that when we learn to live as close to the accordance to the Scriptures as possible, that we're going to have a life that is going to be more abundant. A lot less consequences for poor choices. Because eventually you have to pay for those. Though I might be forgiven eternally, and my slate is clean, there's still consequences on this earth that I may have to travel through if I choose to continue to go in the wrong direction. Acts chapter 27, we're going to pick up in verse 9. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous, because by now it was the day after atonement. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo in our own lives also. Whether it's a compilation of the fact that, that Paul just knew all about sailing and knew after the Day of Atonement is not a good time to be on the waters, whether it was something that God himself spoke to him or a compilation of both of them, these people were receiving counsel from a godly man. My challenge to all of us is that we seek counsel. Before we make decisions, we seek counsel from God, from Scripture, from others, from peers that are walking this journey called life. Continuing in verse 11, but the centurion, instead of listening to Paul, said what Paul said followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Okay. The pilot and the owner of the ship had a vested interest in the cargo getting from A to B. They had a payload. Okay, The way to get paid is to get the payload from A to B. So they wanted to go ahead and finish. Why would I want to winter somewhere when I have the opportunity? Maybe I signed a contract that said if I get it there by this date, it's going to be even more. Or I'm looking at the crew. I'm going, oh, here's 200 and something people I'm going to have to pay overtime for because now I, we're, we're wintering somewhere that's not home. Just like George Clooney you sit here and you quickly realize there's about to be a vote that's going to happen, okay? On the two sides, you got Paul over here, and who's he? He's a prisoner. He really has no authority whatsoever over the people on the boat. Matter of fact, they all have authority over him. He's saying, God, the council is, dude, uh, I don't think we need to be leaving. I think we should camp out right here. Over here on the other side, the centurion looked over here. Here's the owner and the captain who had the paychecks in their pockets, they're saying, we need to press on. Let's vote. Everybody in the middle is going. Said the majority ruled. So the majority, they heard good counsel. They had somebody who had their pockets wanting to do something else, and they all voted. Not all. The majority voted. Let's press on. Since the harbor was unstable to winter in, continuing in the scriptures, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. We need to be seeking good counsel. We also need to heed good counsel. When I was uh, in college age, Daryl and I were working with a college age ministry, and, and there was a group of them that were having a Halloween party. And I know this is going to be really hard to believe, so you can fact check me later. I was not invited to the party. 
I know, right? Uh, it hurt me too. So a couple of us had a great idea. Let's spoil the party for everybody, right? That's what people should do. So we got a winger. In case you don't know what a winger is, it is a three-man slingshot, and it can throw water balloons 100 yards or more. We went in the cover of night wearing complete camouflage, carrying duffel bags that might be guns and bombs, but for us it was water balloons. So we go to where the party is. We post it up. We found our nice location. There's, By the way, this is how dumb we were. There's one entrance in and one entrance out. We drive in and park on the wood line across from where the house was. Everybody's entering into this party. We can see them under the cover of night. We're across the street, down about a couple houses. We're lining up. We're launching balloons. Every time somebody's going in, we're launching balloons. Everybody's having fun, right? That's what we thought. Next thing you know, here comes a cop car. In the one entrance, the way to get out, he's coming in. We're like, we start running as fast as we can towards the car. And all of a sudden, on the way to the car, I had a, one of my few brilliant thoughts in my life. Guys, don't run to the car. That's where we're going to catch us. Just hide out for a while. They went right to the car. I, the smart one, went and found myself under a truck that's just parked near enough that I can watch everything transpire that's going on next to me. I'm half under the driver's side. I can see like the exhaust and all on this side and the stars up here on this side. And then I see a car pull in, headlights facing my friends. And in my brain, I'm going, who can I call? This was before cell phones. Who can I call? I got to migrate somewhere to a payphone. Do I have a quarter? And I'm going, whose dad can I call that's the coolest dad that can get us all out of trouble? Because this is about to get really bad. So I see the cop pull up. I see my two friends get loaded in the car. I'm going, man, this was really dumb. Dumb number one that we did this. Dumb number two that they went to the car. What were they thinking? So I'm sitting there, and, and time's passing by, and there's cops flying. I can see them flying all through the neighborhood. They know there's a third person. They're looking for me. Don't ever do this. Um, <laughs> so as I'm sitting there, the, a car comes and parks right next to you. I'm on the driver's side, parks right on the passenger side. Person gets out. I see the, the dome light um, of the truck I'm under start to illuminate. I'm like, what in the world? I'm hearing them have a conversation. Perfect timing. They were all the way in Alabama hunting, and they came back at that moment. Okay, the guy's opening up the passenger side door, and in my brain, I'm going, this is going to come out one of two ways. One, he's going to come around the side, and he's going to see me laying there. Okay, that's probably not a good option. Two, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go introduce myself. I'm wearing all camouflage. They see cops flying everywhere around the neighborhood, and I'm carrying a bag. I chose number two. I then got up, and I go around, and I'm like, all right, cop car turns headlights straight on me. As he's coming, I throw the bag in the back of their truck, throw my camouflage jacket in the back of the truck, and I say, pretend like I'm with you. That was their response. They were like, the cop gets out, and he's calling my name, Greg McGahey, and I'm acting really dumb. I'm like... Who is this Greg McGahey for whom you speak, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then I hear one of my buddies get out of the car and say, Greg, it's okay. Come on. I'm like, 
sorry, gentlemen, got to go. And I go and get my bag, and I go get my jacket. I get in the back of the cop car. They take me to the party, and they, they just basically had to identify me. And little did my friends know they had me at the palm of their hands at that moment. They just said, I don't know that fool. Who's he? <laughs> Off I went. Didn't seek good counsel. And even when I found a, a, a brilliant moment, don't go to the car, thought, they didn't heed. I think that's true probably of a lot of us. We have an agenda that we put in our brains of something that we need to do or want to do. And rarely do we ever seek the counsel that is good. There's storms already brewing coming our ways. I promise they're there. Why do we intentionally charge forward and add more mayhem? That's what they were doing here. Continuing, verse 11. Satan is so good at this. So you got all the people voting to go ahead and head out. If there was a hurricane brewing, how do you think that vote would have probably went? This prisoner dude isn't as dumb as one would think. I think I want to side with him. Yeah, all right, cut my pay. I want to live. Verse 11. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Gentle breeze. Satan is just like that. He's not going to ask you to be an axe murderer from where you sit right now. He's not going to say, hey, Greg, go, go rob the, the bank, the SunTrust Bank. Those people know you. Just go in there with guns blazing. Take all their money. He's not going to ask you to do something stupid like that. He's not going to ask them to go against the will of God and hit a hurricane. They would have said, duh, I'm not doing that. Just a small degree of change, a gentle breeze. Godly counsel says, stay put, hunker down camp out, wait for a better day. Gentle breeze and the vote of ungodly counsel, what's wrong with this? It's a pretty day outside. I think the breeze is even heading the direction I think I want to go. And they continued. Verse 14. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by storm and could not head into the wind, so they gave way to it and were driven along. Skipping forward in verse 17. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Skipping ahead to 18. We took such a violent battering from the ship the next day, they began to throw the cargo overboard. Here's how quickly it became bad. The, the two that were voting that said, hey, let's continue to move forward, that probably wanted to get their cargo so they can get paid. Look at what they were doing in this scripture right here. They're throwing their cargo overboard. It went from gentle breeze to hurricane freaking out. I'm willing to get rid of everything. I want to cut my losses to try to keep my life. That turned quick. But a gentle breeze is what caused us to go the wrong direction. It didn't seem as bad, right? It's just a slight diversion. 99% truth is a lie. Satan knows the truth of scriptures so well, he's wanting to bend it just a bit. They're throwing their cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. I'm not an angler. 
I have fish before. Like I said, I'll, I'll eat it, fry it up good. I'll, I'll try it. But I'm looking at that, and I'm going, ship's tackle, what's the big deal with that? And then I started looking, what is actually the ship's tackle? And here's what I discovered. The gear consisting of ropes supporting the mast and the sails. Here's how desperate they were becoming. Not only were they throwing all the payload off, they're throwing everything that whenever they had an opportunity, if they ever had another opportunity to able to sail the ship in the direction they wanted to go, they're chunking it. Skipping down to verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. You ever been there? You ever been in that place that just seems so dark, there's like no hope to get out of it? Whether you chose to get in it or not, I mean, Jeff can testify to this, anxiety, depression, it, it is, it's swarming in our culture. And guess what? Just because we walk into this building doesn't mean it's not ever-present. With no hope. Why would we want to add to the load that we already have to carry because we live in a fallen world? I'm going to skip down. When storms do come, whether it is something because of a direct result of something that I did that I'm having to walk through or something because of humanity, maybe you did something that I have to travel through or vice versa. Skipping forward to verse 27, what do we do when the storms happen, because they will. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found that it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed by the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern. Who knows what the stern is? Nope. Stern's the back of the boat. Didn't know. I had to look it up myself. How many anchors did they throw? Four. Okay. Please note something. They didn't just throw one. Please note something. They probably, the first time they thought about anchors wasn't at that moment. I'm sure it's on the checklist before you sail of things to do to make sure you have plenty of anchors ready to throw out in case of a need. It's proactive thinking. As I coach the soccer team, I try to make sure that we're being proactive. If I'm a defender, I need to know where my mark is at all times so that when he's making his mad dash down the line over here, though the ball's over there, I know that I need to stick with him to intercede him from going on my goal. That's being proactive. As a believer, the challenge here that I was challenged with and I want to push towards you as well is this. We need to be proactive. A storm is going to come, and you are a ship. You can choose to navigate your ship wherever you choose to go. God has given you free will. We're not puppets. We can seek good counsel. 
And even if we adhere to it, there still will be storms. A proactive person is going to have anchors already on board ship before they ever hit the storm. What can an anchor be for us as believers? Well, I can tell you one is scripture, to know the word, to be able to look at something and say, that's not true. Jesus himself, when he was tempted, one of his anchors was scripture. When we were going through this with the students, obviously we heard God and we heard Jesus other believers. I, w- I would love, I mean, hear, hear me very, very clearly. If you want to learn lots of good truths from Scripture, Robert Rome is a great teacher. I applaud him for going through the, the Scriptures so clearly. And he breaks it down in ways that I, even me, can understand. Zach... All right, I'm sorry. I'm going to say it, Daryl. <laughs> he, he confessed to everybody. <laughs> Yesterday I was at his wedding, and, and the guy was giving him lines that were like this long to speak back, like when he was doing his vows. And, and, and he confessed to his wife that he was going to be her wife. I was like, what? He does a great job of seeking the Lord, being filled with the Spirit, so that when He leads us in a song, because that's what it is, we can sense the desire to worship God. They do a great job. But if we leave it there, we're going to find ourselves out in a storm and have no hope very quickly. One of the huge anchors, we just started small groups recently. You've got to get connected to a group of people that can be anchors for you. No, none of us are perfect. Trust me, I've got quite a few of my family members in here. You can pull them. But you have to have people who are stumbling forward, going in the same direction, pursuing the same God that can be an anchor, a phone call away. I'm going through this storm. I need help. I'm tossing out my anchor. Will you help me? I can't tell you how many people I've heard, man, I went through this, I went through this, and nobody at the church knew. Were you plugged into a small group? You're out on a boat all by yourself with a row trying to weather a storm if you don't have those type of anchors on your ship. Fearing that they would be dashed against the rock, they dropped four anchors from the stern of the boat, which is the back, and then they prayed for what? Daylight. They're in a huge black cloud. I don't know. I, I've been in one before. One of the ones that, that I remember most is, is going through a storm with my mother in leukemia and watching her just suffer and suffer and suffer for years. I remember the fifth floor of Piedmont Hospital. It was awful. God bless those nurses who can go and work on the cancer hall.
the little bit of daylight that I carry from that experience is this. And, and if I didn't have it, I don't know where I would be because I got really, really mad at God. I got to see forgiveness pass from my mother to my brother that would not have happened had she not had that extended period of life. That he no longer has to carry that burden of unforgiveness. That's my nugget of daylight that I see God working in the midst of all of this. They're praying for daylight. They throw out their four anchors. They're hitting the scriptures. They're, they're looking to God for, for some, some truth. They're looking to their small groups, some accountability. They're throwing out their anchors. They're being intentional. And then they're praying for God. 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we have heard from Jesus, and now that we declare to you, God is light. So just as they were praying for daylight, we need to be praying for light to shine on the situation of the storm. For God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Verse 30. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboats down into the sea, pretending that they were going to lower some more anchors in the bow, which is the front. So lo and behold, everybody else is trying to stabilize the ship back here in the back of the ship, and there's a bunch of clowns up here in the front thinking that they can handle things by their own. They're up here in the front, the bow, and they're acting like they're lowering anchors, and they're lowering lifeboats. And eventually, as you look at this, Paul's going to shed a light to it. The centurion's going to cut the lifeboats off. I think that's America because I believe in America, we, we think that we can handle and control everything. We want to feel safe. And when we're not feeling safe, we want to numb it. People have different numbing mechanisms. So not only in my challenge to you, which was challenged to me, is do we have to be ready with anchors? We also need to be cutting off those lifeboats. They cut them off. I mean, it probably seems so smart to them. And most of us, whenever we head to our lifeboats, when we try to save ourselves, it probably seems really smart to us. But think about it. This boat was about to fall apart. They're tying ropes around the bottom of it, trying to keep it held together. And I'm going to get in a little lifeboat and think that I'm going to navigate it and going to be okay out there in the hard ocean? That's pretty stupid. But it seems smart to them. What about us? What about us? Cut your lifeboats to whatever it is that is not of God. So that when you head into the storm, you say, God, I got nothing but you. My challenge, find four anchors or more. Cut loose your lifeboats. We're going to finish heading in. Starting in 33, it says, Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, You have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from your head. Like, why does that always have to matter? That's, sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry, Rachel. Um, after, after he said this, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and he began to eat. They were all encouraged and they ate food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. And when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. 
for 14 days. They were so distressed that they didn't eat. Either A, they didn't have time, or B, they just knew their stomach couldn't take it because they were so tense. And what Paul said was, now that you've thrown out the anchors, now that you've done this, you've done your part, now that you've cut off the lifeboats, which is you trying to save yourself in the middle of your storm, now let's celebrate whatever's going to happen here. Let's just eat and relax and trust God. Trust God so much that after we're done eating, what do they do with the rest of the grain? They dumped it off the boat. We'll talk about some faith. All right, God, now we're done celebrating, and we got no food. We need you to show up even more. I think of Psalm 23 when it says, even in the midst of my enemies, you prepare, prepare a table before me. When I think of them right there, they're in the middle of this storm, and I'm sure Satan is trying to eat them alive, trying to eat them alive, trying to eat them alive. And here they are breaking bread, and what did it say? They were encouraged. Got this Jesus Always book. I'm going to read to you. Smaller print. August 23rd as we draw to a conclusion. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, consider it a joyful opportunity. Don't waste energy regretting the ways things are or wishing you could go back to yesterday. Remember that I am sovereign, powerful, and loving. Moreover, I am with you to help. Instead of being overwhelmed by all the difficulties, grasp my hand with confident trust. Though you are insufficient to handle your troubles by yourself, you and I together can handle anything. If you view your circumstance from this big picture perspective, you can be joyful even in the midst of your struggles. You have not only my presence with you, but my spirit within you. He is always ready to help. Seek his assistance as often as you need. One of the hardest parts of dealing with multiple trials is waiting for the resolution. Since patience is a part of the Spirit's fruit, he can help you endure the waiting. Don't try to get out of hard times prematurely. Instead, persevere patiently, knowing that perseverance must finish its work, making you mature and complete. James put it this way, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Have your anchors ready. Cut your lifeboats off because we know that God is good and even in the midst of the storms that he works for the good of those who love him. Stop trying to escape the storm, but look to him and say, God, what are you doing in the midst of the storm? I need you. Seek good counsel. Adhere to good counsel. There's going to be a video for the Good News Club. And then there's going to be some volunteers up here as well. 
that they can answer some questions. The Good News Club is an amazing ministry that we have into the public elementary school. We have the opportunity to bring the good news, the hope that we say that we have that can be lived out in accordance to Acts 27 can be brought to these children. And I challenge you to prayerfully consider being a part of that ministry outside of these walls, bringing the good news, the hope. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. Lord, we thank you. What an what a opportunity that we've had to watch the Burtons follow you in believers' baptism. To sing with a guy with a great name about how amazing and awesome you are. Father, celebrating communion. Lord, we are called to do that continuously. Celebrating the, all that you have done to bring us new life. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will have an amazing way just as you can communicate to God the Father when I'm mumbling and bumbling about, as I often do. Lord, that you would do something with this message that I spoke, that your Holy Spirit would help it to sink into the hearts and the lives of those that are in this room, that we can share the good news. The storms are common to all, but we can travel them with hope. Be glorified, I pray, that if there's somebody else that's needing to get plugged into the Good News Club, that they wouldn't be afraid, just as the Burtons made a step of obedience and baptism, Lord, that they may also step into another act of obedience in partnering. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.